I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Today, I am announcing my candidacy for mayor of San Francisco. On Tuesday, another hat was thrown into the ring to challenge San Francisco Mayor Lennon Breed's bid for re-election. To date, more than 20 candidates have declared their mayoral bids, but so far, the only major challenger has been City Supervisor Asha Safai. The newest series contender is 46-year-old philanthropist Daniel Lurie. He announced his candidacy in San Francisco's Petrero Hill neighborhood. We have a city hall so focused on business as usual. It fails to stare down the very real threats we face. It is time for a new era of leadership. Lurie says the threats that City Hall is facing are the issues we hear about every day. Homelessness, drug addiction, and crime. The San Francisco native thinks city leadership is failing to make meaningful change. So what is his vision for this so-called new era of leadership? Today on Fifth Emission, how an heir to the Levi Strauss clothing fortune is heating up the mayoral race. Senior political writer and It's All Political on Fifth Emission host Joe Garofoli joins me to discuss what he makes of Lurie's bid to unseat Breed. Lurie led the anti-poverty nonprofit Tipping Point for more than a decade, but does he have the political chops to lead San Francisco? And what challenges does he face as he enters the city's well-known tough political arena? Joe Garofoli, thanks for being here and for being in the guest seat for a change. I know. This is wild. I haven't been in the guest seat for a while. Yes, I'm excited to have you here. Joe, before we get into who Daniel Lurie is, let's talk about the political dynamics around Breed's re-election bid a bit. San Francisco's reputation, as everyone knows, has taken such a hit, so she's got a lot to prove to voters. And Breed has taken a hardline, moderate stance to address some of residents' concerns. What do you think voters are looking for at this point? Someone more to the left or the right of her? I would say to the right of her, and then there's no doubt she's vulnerable. Look at that uh, recent San Francisco Chamber of Commerce poll in May. 77% of people said the city is on the wrong track. Those are like crazy numbers. And our publication, CC, has popularized the term doom loop to explain the kind of trouble that San Francisco's in. Voters want the city to work. And right now, it isn't in a lot of ways, uh, whether it's right or left. People want someone who they think can change things, whether they get more confidence that the city's on the uh, upper trajectory or if it's someone new, but people are upset. Well, so Joe, up until now, Supervisor Asha Safai was the first major challenger to enter the mayoral race. And now there's Daniel Lurie. And you attended his official mayor bid announcement on Tuesday. What were his main talking points? His main talking points is that he wants the city to work again. He thinks that he can bring the board of supervisors together, that he can do the sort of basic blocking and tackling to get the city functioning again. He said he's going to fully fund the police department, which of course is easier said than done. It's a little bit of a law and order message, but as he said, with compassion. Mm. One of his biggest applause lines was he wants San Francisco to be fearless in our belief that no one has the right to smash our car windows, pillage our stores, shoot up drugs where our children play, or prey on those suffering through addiction. 
He said his administration will finally slam the door on the era of open-air drug markets and the perception that lawlessness is an acceptable part of life in San Francisco. So he, in a way, he is running against the doom loop, Mm -hmm. but it's going to take more than that. He has to introduce himself to to voters. So if... He's running against the doom loop, as you say. I mean, does that mean he equates Breed's leadership with the doom loop? What's his criticism? His criticism is that she has been there at City Hall, either as a supervisor or as the mayor, for 10 years now. And he said, quote, this is not a crisis of resources. This is a crisis of leadership. We don't have a mayor who's challenging the system. We have a mayor who's entrenched in it. And he said, instead of solutions, we have excuses and finger pointing. Basically, the point is, if, if you like the way things are going now, you have someone who's been there a long time, vote for her. If not, take a chance on me, a political newcomer who has never held elective office. Now, you mentioned a couple of things like ramping up the number of patrols on the street, funding the police. I mean, did he offer any other sort of proposed solutions or strategies? He said he's going to work to decrease 911 calls that have been slowed, the response time that is. He said he was going to put more police in in commercial corridors to try and prevent smash and grabs and auto thefts, patrols in Chinatown. So seniors are walking down Grand Avenue and through Portsmouth Square, feel safe. He was talking more about the safety and security that many people in San Francisco who live here and visit don't feel. Mm -hmm. And you also said that, you know, he wants to lead with compassion. I mean, how would you describe how he leans politically? Is it more left, more right? Is it fair to even call him anything at this point? He's a bit of a blank slate politically right now because he, again, has never held elective office. I've spoken to him a few times over the years and in his capacity as the head of Tipping Point. And he's invariably described by everyone who I know who knows him as a very nice guy. And he's assembled a very uh, some top political operatives running his campaign. And I saw some some others there at the campaign launch today who will be working on an independent expenditure He's assembled a top campaign staff. In fact, I saw a couple of others at his campaign rally on Tuesday who will be working on an independent expenditure campaign on behalf of him. These are, are top pros. So he's surrounding himself with a good team. One of his pitches is that he is not... A politician. He he embraces that. He closed the speech by saying, the end game for me is not a life in politics. It's a better life for all of us. So this isn't a guy who, you know, he says now, he's a, he's a young guy, he's 46. He, he's not going to be climbing from a mayor of uh, San Francisco to lieutenant governor and governor uh, the way Newsom did or to the Senate uh, like uh, Dianne Feinstein did. Sounds like he's content being mayor, fixing the city where he grew up and then going back into private life. Daniel Lurie founded Tipping Point, an anti-poverty nonprofit in 2005. Much of his resume comes from his work there. How does that inform his vision for San Francisco? Also, will city residents be okay with electing a rich philanthropist as their next leader? Chronicle senior political writer Joe Garofoli weighs in after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Joe Garofoli, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned how a majority of San Francisco residents are fed up with how City Hall has been run. Daniel Lurie is new to politics. 
Does that work in his favor? That's what he's hoping. But, you know, uh, San Francisco is open to a, a lot of different uh, ideas and ways of thinking. But our recent mayors are, are generally political pros. Gavin Newsom and Dianne Feinstein served on the Board of Supervisors be- before becoming mayor. Willie Brown was the uh, powerful assembly speaker. Frank Jordan was the police chief. Ed Lee didn't serve an office before he became mayor, but he was the city administrator. He, he knew the city's bureaucracy like the back of his hand, so he was enmeshed in it. We don't have a long history, recent history, of, of electing people who are, are totally outside the city family, as uh, former Mayor Lee would put it. Hmm. Well, you mentioned Tipping Point. That's the anti-poverty organization that Lurie led for years. At one point, that organization pledged $100 million to fight homelessness. He stepped down as that organization's CEO in late 2019. How do you think he's going to leverage that experience to shape his campaign messaging? That is his entire, uh, you know, work history for the most part. He's talking a lot about that. They've spent a half a billion dollars since he founded them in 2005 to support anti-poverty programs all over the Bay Area. Just last year, they helped 6,000 people, he says, uh, get housing or avoid homelessness in, just in the last year. But, you know, he, he alluded to that $100 million pledge to cut homelessness in half uh, that he made several years ago. If you look on the Tipping Point site, you'll see this note. It says, however, there were unanticipated increases in the number of people experiencing chronic homelessness, especially between 2017 and 2019. As a result, we don't expect to reach the 50% goal by January 2023. Hmm. So by working outside the system, Lurie has seen that it's very difficult to make change in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he knows that firsthand. Political analysts also say that one of his big hurdles is just that he doesn't really have this political name recognition, but his family name runs deep in San Francisco. Like Breed, he's a San Francisco native, but his upbringing is vastly different than hers. The Lurries are longtime local philanthropists, and he is the heir to the Levi Strauss fortune. Tell me more about his family background. Yes. In contrast to Mayor Breed, who, as we know, uh, grew up in public housing here in San Francisco, Lurie is the son of a Rabbi Brian Lurie, who was the executive director of the Jewish Community Federation. Daniel Lurie said has helped tens of thousands of Jews flee persecution from around the world. His mom is Mimi Haas. They divorced when he was about two years old. After the divorce, his mom married philanthropist Peter Haas, who was the great-grandnephew of Levi Strauss you know, of blue jean fame. We may have heard of him before. <laughs> and uh, she controls, I mean, I've seen various numbers on this, about 11% of the company's shares as of 2021. Hmm. Now, he, the dude owns his privilege. Got to give him that. He, very early in his speech uh, Tuesday, he said, from an early age, I was afforded opportunities and a level of privilege most people were not. Hmm. Both sets of his parents were uh, do-gooders, he said, but that, that initially wasn't his life's path. After college, uh, he worked on former New New Jersey Senator Bill Bradley's uh, 2000 presidential campaign. Bill Bradley's a Democrat, and he focused on an anti-poverty message, Bradley did. After that, that sort of struck something with him. I I want to take this up as my life's work. He moved to New York, where he worked for the Robin Hood Foundation. For those who don't know, that's a 35-year-old organization. That's uh, New York's largest poverty-fighting organization, very much like Tipping Point. He returned home to San Francisco and created Tipping Point, which has a very similar mission. 
Some of the folks in the crowd uh, there on Tuesday were comparing Lurie to Michael Bloomberg, the former New York City mayor who is also a uh, a billionaire and a longtime philanthropist. There's one difference, though, and that's Bloomberg wasn't bored into money. Lurie was. Mm. Do you think, Joe, that being a rich white guy in San Francisco could hurt Lurie's chances? Do you think his wealthy background could turn off some voters? I, I don't think just because he's rich will turn off voters. Remember, this is the city that has elected uh, Dianne Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom. These are people who either uh, came from wealth or married into it or had rich friends. Be- being rich isn't a problem here. It's, it's what you do with it. Nadine Burke Harris, she's California's uh, former Surgeon General. She's one of the people who introduced Lurie on Tuesday. They've known each other for more than a decade. Lurie was an early supporter of the clinic. She founded the Bayview Child Health Center. Burke said that uh, Tuesday that Lurie wasn't just a check writer for her organization. He would often travel to the neighborhood to learn more about how the clinic operated. And she said, soon enough, people started saying to me, hey, Dr. Burke, I was at this meeting the other day and there was this white guy in the back of the room with his sleeves rolled up. And, and Burke would say, yeah, that's Daniel. He's legit. She said that Lurie not only gave his time and his resources, he used his privileges to open doors and inspired so many to invest in the fight against poverty in San Francisco. So that's a way where he used his privilege and leveraged it in in a way that, you know, a lot of rich folks don't. Even still, people are probably going to go after Lurie's wealth, right? We got a little sign of uh, how the uh, breed supporters are going to come at Lurie on this. There was a guy, a breed supporter outside the event, waving a sign that said Malibu Dan. (laughs) It's a reference to uh, something that uh, San Francisco voters are going to hear a lot about over the next year. Lurie bought a $15.5 million home in Malibu in 2021, you know, at a time, well, much of the rest of California was dealing with the COVID restrictions and the like. Mm. Lurie, a spokesman, told me that uh, his family only vacationed there, that they moved there during the pandemic. But that's the type of thing that we're going to probably see pop up during this campaign a lot. Well, Joe, you know, San Francisco has launched the political careers of people like VP Kamala Harris, Senator Dianne Feinstein, Governor Gavin Newsom. We all know San Francisco's a really tough political arena, but if you navigate it well, it could take you far. What do you think will be Lurie's biggest challenge as he moves forward with his campaign? This is one of the big challenges he will face is how he can take a punch. I mean, as I alluded to earlier, he's very much referred to as a nice guy. He's left his life of privilege, not left it, but he's leveraged his life of privilege to help others. So that that's a, a good thing. But that doesn't necessarily... You know, it's one thing to be handing out other people's money and making people's lives better. That's different than the world of politics, which can be which can be very brutal. Can a nice guy handle this town? Sure. Ed Lee was known as a nice guy and he survived. But he was also, as I said, a creature of the bureaucracy. San Francisco politics has long been described as the knife fight in a phone booth. Hmm. Are, what are Lurie's knife skills like? Hmm. Can he hack it here? Well, Joe, thank you so much. I appreciate all the insight. All right. I'm sure we'll be talking about this more. Joe Garofoli is the Chronicle senior political writer and the host of It's All Political on Fifth Emission. Find coverage of San Francisco mayoral candidate Daniel Lurie and ongoing coverage of next year's election online at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Thanks to Gary Baca for editing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. <laughs> 